are invited to come to that. At this time, I'd like to welcome our special guests this morning, Cameron and Caitlin Stansfield, and let's give them a warm welcome as they come up and share with us this morning. And they are going to, we're going to do this as best as we can, living room style. I promised them this would not be the Jerry Springer show. <laughs> but a year ago, on December the 18th, almost a year ago, Caitlin gave birth to a beautiful baby girl, Ivy Faith. And today they're going to tell us their story. Before you do, let's have a word of prayer. And I want to just read um, a passage of scripture when you get done. But uh, let's commit this time to the Lord. Father, we thank you so much for your gift of love and the gift of life. Your promise of eternal life, it's in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. We believe God, as the Bible says, that it was you who created the heavens and the earth. You spun the universe in order. And out of all your creation, you made man. Man chosen in the image of God. And then, Lord, you gave the, the gift of life, the gift of birth, life in the womb. The Bible describes it when the psalmist said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God, we recognize that through Adam and Eve's fall, sin and death has come to us all. And with the sin comes the curse on this planet. With the sin comes trouble and hardship, toil and heartache. We go through pain. We go through loss. We go through different seasons of life, highs and lows and joys and concerns. And God, throughout the scripture, one of the most repeated phrases 365 times is do not fear. Do not fear, do not be afraid, do not fear, for I am with you. And God, in the context of this Advent season, we, we are reminded of the sending of your son, Jesus, and how the announcement came to Mary first, later on to Joseph. And in that context, they too were told, do not be afraid. I bring you glad tidings of great joy. God, as Cameron and Caitlin tell their story today, we trust you, God, in our lives. When the road we're on does not always lead us to the path of our desired destination. But through that, God, we, we, we discover intimately and truly that, in fact, you are with us all along the way. And that your purposes will prevail. That, God, even in tragedy, even in heartache, even in suffering... Even in pain, you have a purpose. And God, I just thank you for their lives. And as they present and share today, may they touch ours. And God, may you be glorified in all of this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I don't know which one of you wants to go first, but why don't you just start by telling us your story? Okay. Is this like a good volume? More? Okay. Um, so I'm Caitlin, my husband Cameron. We've been married for five years. Um, yep. <laughs> we went to Colton High School, both graduated from here, so that's pretty fun. 
And we have Dakota, who is our daughter that is two and a half, wild child. And then we have Ivy, who's our angel baby. And now we're expecting another girl, um, February 3rd. So um, I think that's a good backstory. Um, as far as Ivy, uh, we found out we were pregnant um, in May of 2022. Um, and everything was really normal. Um, she was growing good. There was no concerns. Her genetic testing came back totally normal. Um, until about 20 weeks, um, when we went for our anatomy scan, we found out that there were some findings on her ultrasound. She had a small chin and a club foot, um, which they said could be a chromosome abnormality or could be totally normal. And she just, you know, developed a little um, behind. So they scheduled us an amnio and an amniocentesis, which is where they test your amniotic fluid. Um, and during that time, we didn't really know what was happening or what was going to be, you know, the problem or anything like that. We just knew that we were going to have this baby no matter what, um, however long God gave her to us, and um, that we had each other in our community and just prayed a lot. And we had a lot of people, a lot of amazing people praying for us too. Um, and so we had to wait. It was a couple of weeks before we got our results back um, from the amniocentesis. Um, and during that time, I had an MRI to confirm a few things. She was missing her uh, CSP, which is a part in your brain that connects your hemispheres. Um, her chin was definitely small, um, and she had club foot. Uh, overall growth was really small. Um, so they were expecting it to be a chromosome abnormality, um, which once we got our results back, they confirmed that she had near complete trisomy 18 which trisomy 18 is where your chromosome 18 is tripled, but hers was tripled, but then a piece of it was also missing. So it wasn't exactly trisomy 18, um, but they expected it to play out very similar, which was heartbreaking to hear um, and process because most babies don't make it to birth. And if they do, they rarely make it to the first year of uh, their life. Um, so we knew pretty early on that she probably wasn't gonna make it very long um, if she made it to birth. Uh, which was really hard, but um, we just kept praying and knew that no matter what, we'd have her. Um, so that's kind of the start of her story. Um, and then I'm trying to think of like some things that happened during our pregnancy that were blessings. Like, oh, she had a, one doctor saw a heart defect. Um, but when we went to OHSU for the echo, they didn't see that, which was a great thing because um, that would have just caused a lot more complications and possible surgery after birth and all that. So um, we're hanging on to all the little miracles that happened throughout the pregnancy um, with her. So. Now, even early on, before all this diagnosis, when Ivy was in the womb, you had had a sense that something was a little off. Yeah, um, I I know a lot of people say that they've heard God's voice and all that. I personally have never heard God speak to me, but I do believe that he's like um, kind of worked through feelings, I guess. Um, and pretty early on in the pregnancy, I'd say like 12 weeks, I was like, oh, something's gotta be wrong. Like I have gestational diabetes or, you know, something. And I was clear for all that, you know, her genetic testing was normal, um, everything. And then even 
the day of our anatomy scan, I remember getting in the car and kind of being like, I'm not really excited like I was with Dakota. Like it just didn't feel like, it just felt off. Um, but I felt like, you know, whatever, because everything was coming back normal and we were all good to go. So um, it was definitely devastating to get our results back and know that there was something wrong. Um, but I feel like it was God preparing my heart for um, everything to come. See, it's interesting that line between a mother's instincts versus, you know, contrasted with God actually working and moving and prompting and and preparing. And and so, so Cameron, all this is going on. Um, you're going to have a child. She's not born yet. Then you start to go through this medical process. What's going on in your mind? What's your reaction? I think for me it was... It was tough because I still had, I guess, the responsibility of like coming, coming home, playing with Dakota, having to be the kid, and keeping up with things I didn't understand because I wasn't doing the research like Caitlin was. Going to work, having to work it out with work, having to miss work, and uh, especially after the diagnosis, after the findings, probably twenty, um, I couldn't make it to every ultrasound because it didn't. I think it was weekly or bi-weekly, and so I couldn't make it to every single one, right? Um, I went to all the big ones, but it was like, every time I was like, okay, she should be out of her appointment. It's just going to be the day that I don't, you know, and then she calls me, I, you know, I mean, I got to go home and thankfully it never happened. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of that, like, I guess I kind of, it was a lot of unknowing for me just cause I, I, I've never been pregnant. I don't know. She's telling me things like, okay, like I'm happy that, you know, that you're feeling this way. Not, I don't know. Like. So I was just trying to, it was hard to try and navigate her emotion and also try and be there for her with things I had no idea about. Well, sometimes um, our faith prepares us and other times, even with a personal faith, we can be so caught off guard that it can throw us off balance or even cause us to question um, our faith. Tell me each of you about your faith and your relationship with the Lord up until that point, what it had been like and kind of give a, a sense of your testimony from growing up to to then being in that moment uh well for me i was raised christian but we didn't go to church regularly or anything um we just kind of talked about it a lot and i think in middle school we went to church more often but um in high school started coming here with cameron um but i don't think i had like a relationship with god i think i just you know i was a christian i believed but i didn't understand that i needed to have like an active relationship and so i was actually learning a lot and getting closer with God before we got pregnant, but I think that um, during my whole pregnancy, I really had to rely on him and my faith with, with him and uh, that he was gonna, you know, take us through it and keep Ivy in his hands and um, all that. So I really think that I, I believed, but I didn't have like a strong faith until Ivy was with us. For me, it was, you know, born and raised, going to church every Sunday, um, you know, going through you know, a couple different churches, landed here, um, me and Kate started going here together. Um, but for me, I guess it was kind of just that typical Sunday morning, you know, go to church, go home, do your thing, right? And uh, I guess with the, with, this, with the diagnosis, it was more like, I have no control. I can't fix it. I can't, you know, I'm not a doctor. I can't do it. It's, it's completely out of my hands. And so it's like, it's kind of where it got real. And it's like, okay, like, 
let you know, thy will be done, and I'll just have to be happy with whatever comes out of it. That's just how it is, you know. I guess it's kind of like the whole like surrendering. I guess like uh, like your like you're giving it to him versus trying to do it yourself. Well, it's interesting, and I, I think of our audience here. How many of you have gone through stages in your life and in your life journey? You could go from an inherited faith, what's been passed down to you, and and then there's this. For some people, it's at that point of moving from an inherited faith to a personal faith. And the things that God uses, it could be a speaker, it could be a pastor, it could be a leader, it could be a small group, it could be a mentor, it could be somebody who just has that shining example testimony that you look at that and say, okay, there's something to it. Or it could be a trial. It could be tribulation. Um, God speaks through his word and he moves through our circumstances and some of these things, I mean, what was your prayer life like through all of this, each of you? Um, I think I had to pray like all day, every day, <laughs> especially on my way to my appointments, knowing like Cameron wasn't with me. They told me to be prepared to not hear heartbeat. Um, so it was a lot of just listening to worship the whole way there, praying the whole way there, praying during the appointment, praying after the appointment waiting for results, praying the whole time. So I feel like it was just a lot of prayer for me. I think for me, it, was, it wasn't, I guess, as constant, but it was a lot of like, you know, I'd be at work and like little things would pop in my head. And just like, almost like little prayers, not necessarily prayers, but like almost like conversations, you know? I wouldn't say it was just like, you know, an official prayer, but it was just like a little like, okay, you know, and I get, you know, especially with the appointments, it's just the day. Am I going to get the call? And she'd call me and be like, oh, everything's okay. You know, this is the updates, yada, yada, yada. Like, okay, cool. There was just like little conversations, I guess, with God throughout just daily or random times. Well, that's an actual prayer time. You know, it could be really hard. And, and uh, you could explain your industry a little bit, but he, he works in a construction-related field where, you know, if you imagine being downtown building and doing wiring and electrical in a, picture a high-rise building and, and that's your spot you're assigned for that day but you guys have been there where you're going about your daily life and the things that process through your mind and how to process and that can be good ground for conversation with God uh, it can also be a place though where you really wrestle and struggle with your thoughts and like you said earlier a lot of this was out of your control for our audience this morning you'll see on your tables and on your chairs these white hearts. I like how you described it. Ivy as your angel baby. And this morning, some of you might have questions as we move forward for Cameron or for Caitlin, and the hearts are there for you to write it down. And we'll, we'll collect the hearts at the end if you wanna write it down. But they're also there as they continue to share for you to write a loving or an encouraging note. If you so move, if you want to. There's pens way in the back if you don't have one with you, and you can do this after the service as well. Um, but then tell us now, so the doctors have given you some news. Uh, talk a little bit more about what they, they described as, here are some of the outcomes, and here are some of your options. What, what, what did the doctor say next? Um, so before we even had the amnio, uh, we went in just for like a confirmation ultrasound to make sure that like they did see those things um, and that it wasn't just baby was moving or anything like that. Um, I think we were really blessed. Uh, we go to the Kaiser um, 
and we ended up working with their perinatology team and I really, really liked our doctor. Um, she never pushed abortion on us. Um, she had to ask a couple of times and the second time she asked, she was like, all right, I have to ask one more time. If you guys say like that you're continuing, then I won't ask you again. You change your mind, you just tell me. Um, which I think is a huge blessing, especially in the medical field these days, especially, um, that that wasn't pushed on us at all. Um, and so we had the amnio done, and I think it was after the amnio that she asked us the second time. And then after that, it was never a question. Um, and then I, I think we were also, God blessed us with getting to work with OHSU through Kaiser. Um, and so we were working with their bridges team and um, they were all amazing um, and really encouraging for us too because they were telling us, you know, it could be as bad as she doesn't make it to birth or it's, you know, she could live for a few years and, you know, um, be with you guys and have a life and all of that. Um, and I feel like none of them ever, like, doomsday um, prepped us or, um, you know, gave us too much hope at the same time, um, which I was grateful for. They were just very, like, this, these are the facts, and, you know, you guys can make your decisions from there. And uh, I can't remember who it was on the Bridges team, but one of them told us that we know that no matter what you guys decide, you decided because you love your child, um, you love your baby, and... Uh, that stuck with me just because it was a lot of really difficult decisions that we had to make whether we were continuing uh, well the continuing pregnancy was an easy decision for us but whether we intervened when she was born and all of that um, and how much we intervened those were a lot of hard decisions to make um, and so I just think that they were really encouraging for, for us anything to add Cameron I guess what they did um Two is they had to start thinking about a birth plan in a way of like, okay, when she's born, do you want to send a NICU? Do you want to, if she's not breathing, do you want to try to assist that? Do you want to resuscitate? How many times? Which, I like, you know, 20 weeks or whatever, it's kind of tough to have to start thinking about these in the moment kind of decisions. But it was, it came in handy because it, it kind of forced us to come to grips with all circumstances, I guess, and not just assume the best. So, she was born a little early, is that right? Why don't you tell us kind of where you were at and the, you know, the events surrounding Ivy's birth. Um, well, so around 31 weeks, um, I had an appointment and they told me that I had a lot of extra amniotic fluid, um, which was because of her chromosome abnormality, she wasn't swallowing and um, like her brain wasn't telling her what to do. Um, and so I was carrying at 31 weeks like I was full term. Uh, which I was relieved when my doctor told me because I felt pretty pathetic at the time. But um, <laughs> So uh, then I think we set our induction date for January 11th. So we had four weeks to plan and prep and be ready. Um, but we had our family Christmas on December 17th. And whether I overdid it or not, I don't know. But my water broke um, an hour after I had gone to bed. And so I woke Cameron up and was like, all right, we got to go. Like, my water is broke. We have to pack the hospital bag because we didn't prepare for that. And throwing things in a bag, trying not to wake up Dakota too early and all of that. Um, and 
I called my, the advice nurse and was like, do I need to come in? Like, I'm pretty sure that it's my water, but I still come in, right? And um, we were like an hour, an hour away from OHSU. So we pretty much packed our bag, threw it in the car and got in and drove there. We had to go through the emergency room and that was a mess. Um, but we got there, we got admitted uh, by like 4 a.m. Um, December 17th and uh, just kind of labored. That's when we had to talk to the NICU team, the Bridges team, and make our final decisions because we hadn't made any decisions yet on our birth plan or whether we were going to intervene or um, resuscitate or any of that. Um, but then our plan that we like half discussed completely went out the window because she was so early. We were only 33 weeks at that point. Um, so it was really stressful because we didn't actually have a plan for anything. Um, and just kind of, I think we just talked about it in the hospital room and had no idea what to decide really. Yeah, it was, uh, I'd gone to bed about, I'd say about an hour before she did at like midnight. And she wakes me up at 3 a.m. We're running on like two hours of sleep, packing up stuff in a bag, going to the, you know, driving to the hospital, trying to navigate OHSU at that early in the morning, kind of tough. Um, but yeah, it was like the, it was kind of like, now it's like, okay, now, now what do we do? Like, okay, we have all these options. She's early, we have none of our stuff that we wanted, like our, our supplies, it's, it's just a chaos. Like we don't know how long we're gonna be here. We don't know what the outlook is. Is this good or bad? It's, it was just a bunch of questions. And then we kept talking about how much do we intervene? Do we? We resuscitate, do we not resuscitate? Like, how and it kept going to my mind too. Even when the doctors brought it up, it's like, at one point, are we are we um tampering with God's plan of like, okay, now he intends her to live, he intends her to pass, but then how when do we become selfish humans and and mess with that? And then it's not like, what does that do for like what it's kind of that moral dilemma, ethical question that you have to answer at. 5 a.m. in the morning, and we, I just kept thinking about that all day long. So I don't know, I, I don't know what the right, all the right answers are, but we just gotta, we just gotta play it by ear and go with it and just, you know, not be upset with ourselves in the future. I'll just keep going on about her birth story, I guess. <laughs> um, no, it definitely was a, a tough question that they kept asking us whether, like, what, how far we wanted to intervene, if we wanted to send her to the NICU or not. Because it was like, if I don't send her, am I cruel? Am I being a bad parent? Like, do I need to do everything I can to give her a chance to live on her own? But at the same time, it was like, or is that being a selfish human and interfering when God probably had a play in my water breaking early and um, making it so that we didn't have a plan? Like, that could have been, you know, his work and pushing us along that this is, you know, it's time to let her go to heaven. Um, so after we got admitted, I labored for a while, um, and then I did end up getting an epidural because I was you know, ready to just be present mentally. Um, it was really stressful trying to coordinate who was gonna be there and when at first, but then we kind of were like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get some Pitocin, and once it progresses, once I get the Pitocin, we'll tell my parents to bring Dakota so that she can meet Ivy. Um, OHSU was amazing, and they 
uh, totally throughout the visitor policy for us, so we could have whoever we wanted to come and meet the, uh, meet Ivy. <laughs> um, so right when I got the Pitocin, I told my parents to leave and head to the hospital. Um, my in-laws were already there. Um, I don't know who else was in the waiting room at what time, but it, it, it was definitely God's work because everybody showed up and was there when she was born, and she came so quick. I mean, it, it was like an hour after I got the Pitocin, and I had to call my nurse in, and half a push and she was born so um and i just remember uh the doctor told me that she was breathing on her own and um that i could hold her for a little bit cameron was going to cut the cord so cameron called i think you called my parents and i told them that she was here and asking where they were um and they were just getting there so it was perfect timing um with them my photographer had gotten there i think five minutes i, I had just said like hey hi um, she's also one of my like best friends. Um, so we're chatting and I'm like, I'm feeling some pressure. So it was literally boom, boom, boom of everybody getting there when she was coming. Um, so I think the timing of the whole day was perfect. Along with that, my, uh, my grandmother, I think it was like a baby shower for her. It was like, as soon as she go in labor, call us. And so as soon as you went out, I don't know what time I called my parents, but it was early. And I said, call her get them on their way because they live in Medford. And so I don't know what time they left, but uh, everybody literally showed up at the same time, you know, Grant City with Dakota. Uh, my, one of my best friends, Toby, who is Dakota's godfather, would be Ivy's godfather. He was with them. Uh, my grandparents were driving five hours in Medford, got there at the same exact time. It was everybody that was local and I, wanted to be there and could get there, got there exactly at the same time. You guys have touched on some big issues. You know, one of them being making split second, being forced to make split second decisions while wrestling with questions. You know, are we trying to take this in our own hands? What's God's plan here? And uh, it reminds me of the serenity prayer. Lord, give me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can. A wisdom to, to know the difference. You're put in this situation and yet all along the way you saw God work, you saw little miracles, just the fact that everybody could make it just in time was um, was so precious. As you guys kind of share this, this next chapter of her delivery and her life, I'm going to go ahead and we're going to put in the screen here just a, a moving video. I think it'll work of um, just some pictures of Ivy Faith. Because as we tell the story, um, we're celebrating this precious gift of life. Um, I do have one more thing from uh, before she passed. Um, when she was born and I got a holder, um, she was completely silent. It was just like, I, but I wasn't scared. It was kind of peaceful. It was just so quiet how everything happened. Um, even with all the doctors rushing in because we had such a huge team working with us that day um, It was just peaceful and quiet and I remember when they took her over because we decided not to send her out of the room to the NICU or anything um, But we did decide to have a CPAP machine in case she just needed a couple of um, uh, Manual breaths to help her and at first she was breathing on her own But the doctor was like her breaths are slowing and so they took her over with Cameron to the um, little CPAP and I remember just laying there, staring at the ceiling, like, please, Lord, just let me hear her cry. And literally right then, she did. 
So. I don't remember the, uh, the specifics, but she was born, she was three pounds, four ounces, and 16 inches long. And so she was just super small, the little CPAP thing was just like, good lord, that thing's huge. But they, uh, she started breathing and she kind of squeaked more than cried. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, then she, she was just doing fine. They uh, started monitoring her. Um, and then, yeah, they got a, we got a holder. Um, we passed her back and forth a couple times. Um, she peed on Caitlin a couple times. Um, her, uh, one of her great-grandmothers held her, and then one of her grandmothers got a holder too. But she was born at 3.04, and then we uh, got a hold on her for five hours, until 8.04 when she finally passed. Uh, which we talked about the other night, the significance of the number five. Um, I remember thinking right then that that was really significant that it was exact numbers. Cameron and I looked at each other once we realized that, that, that she had passed. And it was like, that is crazy that it was to the minute exact. Like I almost thought we looked at the time wrong, but um, the significance of the number five just on a quick Google search was, um, it signifies God's grace and mercy. Um, which is another really awesome sign that he gave us that day. Um, I haven't found the root of why they say that number five is that, but um, according to Google. <laughs> um, I guess, but afterwards, the grieving process, um, which I'd say is still, I feel like it'll be a forever thing, um, just different stages really. But I think we're blessed that it was around Christmas because when we went home, we were surrounded by all of our family, both sides of our family, a bunch of friends. Um, we played a lot of games. We had Christmas with Dakota. It's the first year that she was really into it um, and excited. Um, so I think we're blessed with being surrounded by family and then blessed with having Dakota to go home to. And um, like Cameron described the other day, not being able to let ourselves get sucked into a dark hole because we had a, our other daughter that we had to be there for. and give a childhood to and, um, you know, not be sad all the time. And that was another thing that I think really kind of was heavy on our minds. Okay, she, okay, assuming she's born, we take her home. They talk about in-home care, uh, hospice-style care, infant hospice care. Um, and then, okay, but then she, she is the lucky one. She gets to make it to four or five. Like, we can't, we can't have her potential disabilities impact Dakota too much. Because I don't wanna feel guilty that Dakota is being hindered, I guess, by, by not, not, like something out of her control. I don't want her to like, feel, like, understand that and kind of like be upset about it, right? And so there was a lot of other conversations we had and OHSU helped us a lot by, um, they gave us uh, material for about grief, about talking to children about loss and grieving, how the children grieve. Um, luckily the code was so small that she didn't really understand. She she got a meter, um, she uh, she kissed her, you know, got photos with her. She was, you know, she loved seeing the sister. Even now with the picture that we have of she'll she'll say baby sister, baby Ivy, uh, just whenever she sees it. But yeah, it was uh OHSU was awesome. Um, they had a team, two ladies come in when she passed and and uh, they, she, they got footprints, handprints, um, 
I got K that year. Ironically, I was getting K to Bible. Uh, I'm big about the Bible. That's at Stansfield family. Because my great-grandmother had all of us written in her Bible, in her family Bible. So I wanted me and K to start that with us. And so, um, we're in the surprise. I had her parents grab that. We brought it in. We had uh, her footprints put in the Bible. Um, I want to say we had a verse that was significant to you that we put a footprint by. Um, but they did really awesome things. They have clay molds. We have, we have all kinds of memorabilia that OHSU gave us. Um, Which was also a blessing because I was going to put a lot of that in my hospital bag that I didn't pack. So, um, <laughs> uh, like I said, all the little things that led up, I would say a lot of it was the day that she was born, but even through the whole pregnancy, God was there with us the whole time. And um, he answered a lot of little miracles for us. Yeah, but look at those miracles. Three pounds, four ounces, born at 3.04, you know, exactly five hours, and finding God's gifts tucked in there. And then the, the joy of that time of being able to hold her, those hours that you spent, um, the cry, that just this time of prayer. And, and uh, I appreciate Cameron just also the honest, you know, going through something like that, and even before the birth of Ivy Faith, just wrestling with these questions of what's this going to look like and what impact and how, if, if this happens, how can we still give our daughter Dakota a somewhat normal life and, and not let it hinder her dreams and goals? And yet, you know, God in his gracious hand always has a way of coming around and bringing things together even when the unexpected happens or even when the tragic happens. So, so at 8.04, Ivy dies. What happens next? Um, well, it was kind of an awkward silence just because um, we had to wait for the nurses to come in and um, officially confirm. My parents were in the room, Toby and Toby was in the room with us. Um, and it was just silence for a long time until they came in. Um, and then after that, we just kind of were like, yeah, we're ready to have some time by ourselves and hugged our parents goodbye. And um, we cried a lot. Um, but it was kind of a, a weird cry. It was kind of a, not relief, but also relief at the same time because it was, she's not suffering. We know that she's not suffering. We know we don't have to answer any more questions. I'll let you finish. <laughs> I think uh, for me, it was, it was more relief because you could tell, like, I, it's just like a, we knew it wasn't looking good. Um, I kept watching it and she would take a deep breath and then let it out. And it's like, okay, here we go. Again, it was like every minute was, was a struggle for almost five hours. Just like, good Lord, like, like, man, kid, like, you're a tough little cookie, man. Like, I kept telling her, like, it's okay to go. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it, I, I just remember feeling relieved um, and getting the, the break of not having to make any more decisions or wonder, you know, did we make the right decision or not? Um, Cause like Cameron said, you could just tell. Um, looking at her, I was like, even if we sent her to the NICU, I don't think that she would have thrived. 
Um, so, yeah, it was it was sad. Um, we we did sleep a little bit, um, and then we left the next morning. Um, and I remember it was it was really tough leaving the hospital with a box. I didn't have my child in it. It was just all the memories. I think for me it was tough too because I kept telling her, it's okay, we'll catch up. We're like really not emotional people, so this is tough for us. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it was, and it was a lot of prayer afterwards too. And um, we just wanted to get home. I just remember thinking like, we just, I just want to go home. I want to be home. I want to be with Dakota. Um, just be a family. <clears throat> we didn't get to eat a whole lot that whole day. Yeah. And so we got some food. Jaws and Mike came back with some food. So, uh, <laughs> but even that, we had to let it sit because they were in there doing all the memories and stuff. I didn't even feel right eating. And then uh, they asked us if we wanted her in the room overnight. And I was like, no. And then uh, about 9 o'clock, uh, they asked us <clears throat> if. We wanted her to see her again. We said, yeah. So at nine o'clock, we uh, saw her again and then packed up and came home. That's about 9.30 and just came straight home. We're like, we're not. Like, I asked everyone first, said, no. I said, okay. And we just went, as, I drove home as fast as we could. So let's just get home and see Dakota and put things away and uh, see the family and just, just hang out. Luckily, uh, I kept my, my company and you know involved and we were we discussed you know how uh like how much we want to tell people how open we're going to be and so we decided to be very open about it and uh like any questions and stuff so i i kept my company in the loop um i let them know what happened and uh i got the rest of the time off so i think until after christmas um i was like yeah, i'm not coming back till after christmas and i said that's fine go ahead no problem um so yeah, it was uh, it was tough leaving that day, uh, especially because we had to wander back through OHSU, and it was kind of it was interesting because there's you know the students, there's doctors, there's patients, and nobody knows, and it's just we were just it was almost like a, like, that, like in a, in a movie, like slow motion, like in a fog, or yeah, like nobody, not that nobody cares, but nobody's gonna ask you, no, nobody, nobody can tell them they're busy, they're doing their day, it's nothing's different, and it's just strange to be. Our room without any of the family and the doctors who all understand, all care, to, to a spot where it's just another day for everybody else. It was just kind of, it was just kind of strange when I realized that. And then trying to find, you know, which way to get out of the hospital, get back to the car, get back to the parking garage, all that. Um, and yeah, and then just carrying a box of, of blankets and memorabilia, you know, stuff like that. It was, it was tough. You know, as you were sharing, it to me brought real meaning to what the Apostle Paul wrote in Scripture in First Thessalonians 4 when he said, Brothers, you know, we don't want you to be uninformed. We don't grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. It says, For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. We believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep within him. And that hope of Scripture, you know, a child whether it's in the womb or whether it, it's like Ivy just lived a few hours. Um, we do believe that we will see them in eternity. 
that when Jesus comes again and the dead in Christ are raised, that, you know, we'll be reunited. And there is that hope. That hope doesn't always take away the pain. There's still that process of grieving loss. And I like what you also said. It'll probably be a lifelong process. Um, as much as you are able to say, okay, God, um, in some way we're relieved that there is no more struggle. There is no more pain. Uh, one of the verses I wanted to ask you guys about, it comes from Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It says that God works for the good. It doesn't mean everything that happens is good, but that he'll work for the good. What are some of the good things, if you look in your mind, what are some of the good things that have come out of this very, very difficult situation? I, I'm not sure yet. I feel like there's still a lot that could happen. Um, the last few months we've gotten opportunities to share a story and I never ever would have thought that I would be up here right now talking about any of this. Um, and so I'm, I'm assuming that there's a reason for that and that somebody needed to hear this or it'll help somebody out there. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know yet. Yeah, I think the, uh, this is why more come. I could be more obvious, you know, more obvious. Maybe we're just not seeing it, right? Um, I think for me personally, it's, it gives me a reason to believe because if I don't believe, then nine, nine o'clock on October, or sorry, December 19, 2022. 2022 was the last time I ever see her. That's it. Last time I ever see is, you know, we'll catch up, you know, it's okay. We'll catch up, we'll see you soon kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it's like if I don't believe, then that's it. On a rainy day, kind of like today. You know what I mean? It's, and it's, it's tough to have that, uh, almost think that way. But on the other hand, it's like when, when you have those questions of like, not like, are you real or anything like that, but when you start having these, you know, it's like everybody does have things pop up. And it's like, you know, what's going on, this and that. It's like, it gives me a reason like, oh yeah, I have to believe. I, you know, I mean, there's no option not to because I'm gonna let myself not at that point. It's like if, if even if it's you know like this old saying and stuff like is it better to believe and find out it's not real or to not believe and find out it's real? And so it's like you know what? I'll, I'll gamble on the belief even if I have serious doubts at times in my life, mostly because of her. You know, I want to see <clears throat> I want to see her up there. I really like your guys' authenticity. Just the honesty, the raw. I'm not sure. You know, we're still figuring uh, some of this out. When we met together, we talked about um, sometimes in a situation like this, people say things that are incredibly helpful. And sometimes people who gather around and mean very well say things that aren't extremely helpful. What were some of those things that, if you remember? Um, I think we were uh, lucky and we didn't have too many like, oh, I wish they wouldn't have said that. Um, or, you know, like that made me really uncomfortable. Um, I feel like all of our families were very just silently there. Um, 
and our, our friends too were just silently there, which I think is the best for when you're grieving, because um, there aren't any words to make anyone feel better. Um, and uh, the only the only thing I would say that's been difficult uh, to answer or hear um, would be just the question of um, how many kids do you have? How old are they? Because I could say three and hope that they leave it at that, but usually it's, oh, what, like, how old are they? And then I have to explain, well, one of them's two and a half, and then my middle is in heaven, and now I'm pregnant. So it's, it's a really tough question that is so innocently asked. And I wouldn't say, like, don't go up and ask people how many kids they have, because it's such a, it's an innocent question. It just is definitely something I never realized is hard for some people to answer. Yeah, it's the hardest thing for me to answer. It's like, I don't... Because, you know, the, the, everything means well, and we just said that that's common, especially people our age who are having kids. And it's like, I don't, it's like, I don't know how to answer it because I don't know, I don't want to make them feel awkward. Because I, I, it's the same thing. They're in, they didn't mean to ask. They don't, aren't trying to be malicious at all. But it's just like, uh, like, how do I answer this to make you not feel uncomfortable? Because it's like, I don't want you to feel uncomfortable. Because I like, and that's something we talked about, right? You know, like I said earlier, we were decided to be very, very candid about this. We didn't want to act like it never happened. It was like some people do. And it's like, I feel like that could cause more issues. This is what I was thinking. I, yeah, this could cause more grief problems if she didn't make it. And so it's like, I'm, like, I'm okay answering questions. I have no problem with people asking me any question they want to ask. It's just, and I'll tell them. The fact is, I don't want them to unknowingly like, walk into something and feel guilty for it. Because it's like, it's not, like it's okay to talk about, but I don't want to make them feel like they've made a mistake. Maybe some of you out there have questions that you would ask them this morning, whether you wrote it out on a heart and want to bring it up or you just want to say it from the audience. Does anybody have a question that you would ask as it relates to their situation? Larry. I think that I'm like really, really thankful that I, I don't know about Cameron. He never expressed it to me, so I'm assuming that he never did. Um, but no, I never felt angry. Um, I know a lot of people in situations like this will say like, why do bad things happen? Or why does God let bad things happen? And in my head, how it works out is God doesn't necessarily let bad things happen. It's because of, you know, the um, Adam and Eve sins and um, just how the devil works into everybody's lives that like the devil is kind of the one that makes bad things happen and God is there to carry us through it so I, I couldn't be angry at him because he was with us and I could see that he was with us and you know he answered so many little blessings and, or gave us a lot of little blessings and miracles and so I couldn't, I couldn't be mad at him because I think he made it the best for our worst situation that makes sense i think for me um i know i it's like she said I, that's a very common thing of the whole wide guy you're very angry and it's like i i didn't want to let myself go there because i knew at the end of the day like what am i going to do against god like you know what i mean he's going to he's going to either fix it or, she, or he's not and it's just like not to sound hopeless but like 
I can only have faith that it's going to be good, that it's going to work out well, that's going to, that something good is going to come out, even if it's not the outcome I wanted. And so that's more what I fell into is the not letting myself go there because I feel like if I would have gone there, it would have been very bad um, for me personally. Um, and I didn't know what the, what the repercussions throughout the rest of my life would be like. You know, it's like, do I just walk away? How does that impact Kate? How does that impact Dakota? How does that impact the family? How does that impact everybody else? And so it's like, I'm not gonna let myself go there. Even if I do question like, not like why me, because um, as other people I've heard, other podcasts and stuff, people talking about who have kids who have disabilities, why not us? You know, it's like, it's just, it just happened. And it's not for me to necessarily know why, or like, you know, I never know why, that's okay. Because, I think played out how it played out, and so it's like, and I, like I said, I'm not a geneticist. I can't, I, I can't fix her. You know, so I can just hope for the best, hope and pray, and that assume that it all worked out for a reason. And so yeah, I, I didn't let myself, I think, get upset with God, but I definitely, I definitely wondered, you know, like why, how, and what's it gonna look like in the future? Because I started planning on. Uh, Okay, she's born. How does that look like with for Dakota? How does that look like for a real camping? How does that look like if we go riding? Like, do we need a, you know, what do we need to do and how does this look like for our family to keep up with the lifestyle and not, not, um, not like her, I guess, like, not be a hindrance, but like impact, like, treat her like another kid. Just let her be a kid and if she has a prob- problems, we can just deal with it. Um, so yeah, all those questions, and you know, I tried not to let myself go to the why God, because I definitely wanted to at times, I definitely, you know, lost my cool once or twice, but it's like, at the end of the day, it's like, I just gotta have hope and faith that it's gonna be what it is, and that's, and now that, that has to be okay until I find out more later. Often when our faith is tested, we go through, can go through fertile grounds of growth, but it doesn't, this was hard. And uh, any other questions out there? Yeah. It's not a question exactly, but I am so impressed with your faith. Um, we have a grandchild that's now 30 years old. And, um, our kids had lost four pregnancies, and they had an 11-year-old daughter, and they got pregnant. And they wouldn't tell anybody. They wouldn't share it with us because they thought it was going to not be, it was going to be another loss. And um, they told us when she, she was four months pregnant. Kaiser baby, wonderful support, but they made the choice. They were told early in the pregnancy that there were, the probability of birth defects was very high, and they were given an option of not having the child, and they chose through their faith that no matter what, however long it lived. Back in that time, they didn't have all the wonderful tests that they could prepare you guys for. But their faith was that whatever it was, they would accept it. And, and fortunately, through the care we got after she was born, she's 30 years old today. A force to be reckoned with because of that faith. I just wanted to share with you Thank you, Julie. I think also though, with the, when it comes to the whole grieving process for us, it was, 
like she said, the technology today is awesome. And so we saw 3D photos of her. We saw, um, you know, before she was born, we had all kinds of, um, kind of thing, okay, awesome things. So we just you uh, recorded her heartbeat. And so we have a bear of heartbeat that we press. And so we saw the sound of her heartbeat that the photo plays with every once in a while. Um, but it was tough grieving because Kate, I felt like Kate had more connection. Uh, you know, and by, because she carried her for 33 weeks and I just had it for five hours. And so it was tough. I felt guilty sometimes not wanting to talk about it because it made me sad because I didn't have connection. And Kate just wanted to talk about it and I felt really, it was tough for me because it's like, I, I didn't know what she did. I didn't feel her kicking my stomach. Like I didn't feel her, you know, moving around and stuff. And so it was, Kate had much more connection with her than I did. And it was, that was a tough spot for me to be in, having to try to figure out how to console her and make her feel better and talk to her because I didn't have the same reference point because it's how it was. Like all, and that's a regret I have because like, I wish I could have, I wish it would have been a sunny day so I could have told her the sun. So you're expecting, again, your third child. Any apprehension? No. <laughs> um, like, it was kind of like how God, um, I think, spoke to me with when I was pregnant with Ivy, that something was wrong. This one, I remember being so excited when we found out, and I didn't have any worry, um, especially, I mean, we were supposed to get both of us, um, uh, well, it, I guess not supposed, but it was offered to get both of us genetically tested just to see if it was a genetic thing or if it was a fluke, um, because they didn't know because Dakota was normal and then Ivy had an abnormality, so it was like, which one is the fluke here? Um, and I got mine done and it came back normal, but we dropped the ball getting Cameron's done and God told me to get pregnant, I got pregnant and um, I wasn't, I, I haven't been worried at all this time. That's cool. My last question is this. What would you tell somebody going through a situation similar to this? Um, that answer actually came to me the other night when I couldn't sleep. Um, it it kind of goes with the were you ever mad at, at God question. But if, if anybody is um, going through a hardship and feels like God has abandoned them or wasn't with them, I guarantee that he was. Um, and sometimes looking at the big picture, I think we get lost in God let bad things happen. Whereas if we start looking at all the smaller pieces of it, you'll see where he was and that he was with you. Um, so I would I would just challenge anybody going through a hardship to look back and or look at where they're at right now and see all the little pieces that that you know show that he was there with you. Um, I'd say don't, like, I guess don't blame God in a way, like, it's, everything is meant to happen for a reason, and, uh, I guess that's kind of a, a cop-out, I, I guess some people might think that's kind of, kind of like a pray, read your Bible more idea, you know, response, but still, just, like, just, like, like I guess for me, personally, I've, I fell back on, what am I going to do about it? You know, I can't do anything about this. I can't fix it. And I kept telling myself that, like, you just... Literally, just have to be there for Kate, be there for Dakota, and just have faith that whatever happens is the right thing to happen. 
you know, trying to make wise decisions. And I think we made great decisions. I have no, I have no, uh, I don't regret any of them about not saying to NICU and giving a little bit of care we did, just hanging on, being on hold for five hours, got photos, and, and uh, just, yeah, just try and be wise. Just try and make wise decisions. And don't get mad at God, but don't, you know, don't jump to that conclusion first, and just have faith. And it's, I know it's kind of easy, I guess it's an easy thing to say, but it's kind of just like when, you, when you're helpless, like you got no other options. And it really makes you realize where you're at, just to have more faith and pray, and just have conversations, see if he tells you something. Um, I'd also say don't, don't isolate yourself. I know it's a lot these days, especially, I think a lot of people are like, oh, I need my time myself to grieve by myself. And if you need that, do it. I just think that a lot of the time people isolate themselves and don't surround themselves with family. And then I, I think the grieving process can, can be a little more difficult or take longer because you're not in community and don't have that support. Um, so find your support system and, and really lean into them, I would say. Yeah, I think we were uh, unintentionally uh, blessed by having lots of people in the house. Christmas time, yeah. playing games, always having events, um, you know, having them going to Christmas, you know, going to Christmas Eve at my aunt's house, going doing Christmas morning, uh, having people come over for brunch, doing big breakfasts, stuff like that. It was, it was nice to, it was almost like, you, like, you couldn't just you secluded away, you couldn't hide away. You had to like make an appearance, you know? Um, but at the same time, everybody was totally understanding that like, you know, if we, if Kate texted me, said, hey, can you come upstairs? And I just quietly kind of sneak away. Like nobody was like, hey, where are you guys at? Can you guys come do this? It was very much like, oh, I guess we'll see him when we see him. You know, I guess that's, and so yeah, it was it was lots of, lots of that, lots of kind of quietly grieving by ourselves, but also, and it was just the fact of like, just being there, just having people there, people hanging out with us. Uh, people, and they weren't, people never forced, like, people said, hey, if you need to talk to somebody, you know, let me know, you know, I'll talk to you, whatever. Uh, but it was never like, hey, we are doing this today. It's like, what if I don't, you know, it was very much just, uh, they were just present, doing their own thing, but like, you know, we are always, Offered to join in or not, and it was it was just them being there, just just simply being in the room was nice um, because it took your mind off things. Because I then I started to get into the, you know, what what would she be doing now? You know what I mean? It's like what would she? And so it's gonna haunt me for the rest of my life. Of okay, it's been thirty years. What would she be like? You know, um, and that's where I guess I I, regret it. I couldn't teach her anything. I couldn't show her anything. You know. We held over by our which is awesome. I'm not good at that at all. But it's just like the, my bonding with her wasn't very much. And so it's still going to bother me, I think, going forward, of not being able to really have my impact on her. Like, Kay, that hurts. Not that I'm jealous. Good. But it's just the fact that it's just, just be there for people. Like, you know, whether you have to intentionally, you know, be sly about it, if people are being trying to hide away or not, just, just, be present and let them talk to you if you, or talk to them, and just be happy that they're there. One of the best things to do in the loss of a loved one is to celebrate their life, to keep their memory alive, to cherish those precious times, to constantly give thanks to God, and constantly 
reaffirm our faith and trust in Him. Our, our faith and trust in God has to be a conscious choice. God, I choose to trust you. I choose to put my faith in you. And in the context of the Christmas story, the narrative of God sending his son and the circumstances, Mary, the angel, comes to her and says, you're expecting a child that's going to be born of a virgin. And, and her reaction of joy, Joseph, who was engaged to her, had in mind to divorce her quietly. He wasn't sure what to do, but... The angel spoke to him and, 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 and told him, I want you to take this woman home to be your wife. And so they had to trust God throughout that process. And as the two of you have shared today, and I've known you for a lot of years, both of you, Cameron, I am so impressed to see the man and the man of God that you've become. And to hear how you walk through this trial um, with stability, with maturity, you kept a, a firm head on your shoulders. You, you process things logically from different angles, but you are loving, you're supportive. I mean, I'm just really impressed with the man of God. You're continuing to become. Caitlin, I'm astounded by your faith. You know, it's kind of like Mary marveled and she pondered these things in her heart. I mean, it, you've kept things close to the heart, but at the same time, you've set your eyes on Jesus. You've looked to God. And in that, you found hope and light. Um, you mentioned a couple of things that song, the song in the garden, the song "Thy Will Be Done." Um, those playing, replaying those songs of faith, of comfort, of hope. Um, there was one other thing at the hospital that you guys were able to do, and I'm, I'm going to ask Kevin to come forward because in those five hours of Ivy's life. Kevin was there, and he was able to give a blessing. And today I've asked Kevin to come and give another blessing, and especially as you anticipate the arrival of this third newborn. Um, so Kevin, would you come? Okay, you saw me get all set up. Relax. We really are almost done. Uh, this is an extraordinarily dangerous time to give me this microphone. So I started making some notes as I heard them talking. I want to tell you that a miracle is the fact that Cameron is sitting here in front of you all talking. This is not something this boy does. And I said it wrong. This is no boy. This is a man. Uh, in no particular order, the things that I noted here. Larry, I'm not throwing anybody under the bus here. But I'm going to tell you, yes, he got angry. There's at least one metal craftsman in the toolbox that did not survive an encounter. The first couple times, the, the first thought is, where did that guy learn to act like that? <laughs> well, and then it dawned on me, he's not reacting to a metal box, and he's not imitating his father's worst habits. He's just having a broken heart. 
I can tell you it's a bizarre experience to go to the birthplace of a hospital knowing what's going to happen. That's, that's a bizarre experience. Your, your five thing, it came to, <laughs> we listened to Jack Hayford this morning, and he points out, you know, the Pentateuch is five books. The first message God ever gave to humans came in five. I don't know what that has to do with five hours. That's a, that's a heaven thing. These guys had to do it alone. It just isn't any way for us to come and be part of that. They had to do it alone. And we get born alone, we die alone. And I'm telling you, if you're sitting here and you don't have Jesus in your heart, if you don't have a faith and trust and dependence on that, you're gonna to come to your dying day alone. And I'm telling you, there's a cuss word on the tip of my tongue to describe that. Okay. One more thought that I just, it's, it's been intriguing me ever since it's been, since it occurred to me. I was listening to Focus on the Family one of these mornings and the show was actually talking about uh, having conversations, especially with your girls when they're at that change of life and they're becoming young ladies and moving out of being children. And, and this mom was having this talk and this daughter had a, had a question back and I can't remember what, I, what the quote was, but it, but it led to this thought in my mind. And let me ask this as a question. Out of all of God's creation, everything he created, all of the cosmos, all the way down to the little bits and pieces of our cells, out of all of those things that he created, what's the only thing he created that can make his image? It's a woman. Only a woman can make something in the image of God. You know, we, we play our part, don't we guys? But as Cameron discovered, there's something different between what we do and what our women do. You're the only ones God ever made that can do that. There's nothing else in the world that can. Okay. So, I want to use scripture here because the criticism of Protestant churches is that we talk a lot about the Bible being our thing and yet we don't go to it as much as we ought to. So I wanted to start this up with uh, Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds a house, its builders labor over it in vain. Unless the Lord watches over a city, the watchman stands alert in vain. In vain you get up early and stay up late, working hard to have enough food. Yes, he gives sleep to the one he loves. Sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the sons born in one's youth. Happy is the man who has filled his quiver with them. They will never be put to shame when they speak with their enemies at the city gate. And then I want to roll right into Psalm 128. How happy is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You will surely eat what your hands have worked for. You will be happy and it will go well for you. 
Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children like young olive trees around your table. In this very way, the man who fears the Lord will be blessed. May the Lord bless you from Zion so that you will see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life and will see your children's children. Peace be with Israel. Now specifically, when I was thinking about what I would like to say for Caitlin, another woman came to mind. You know, women don't get quoted a lot in the Bible, but there's a long quote in 1 Samuel chapter two. This is Hannah. She's the mother of Samuel. Samuel was a big and important prophet that picked King David back in the day, back when the Lord told him to. So, so Hannah was, was barren, couldn't have a child. And then she knew that she was going to have Samuel. And this is what she's saying. My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is lifted up by the Lord. My mouth boasts over my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. And there is no rock like our God. Do not boast so proudly or let arrogant words come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge and actions are weighed by him. The bows of the warriors are broken, but the feeble are clothed with strength. Those who are full hire themselves out for food, but those who are starving hunger no more. The woman who is childless, childless gives birth to seven, but the woman with many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and gives life. He sends some down to Sheol, and he raises others up. The Lord brings poverty and gives wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the trash heap. He seats them with noblemen and gives them a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. He has set the world on them. He guards the steps of his faithful ones, but the wicked perish in darkness. For a person does not prevail by his own strength. Those who oppose the Lord will be shattered. He will thunder in the heavens against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give power to his kings, and he will lift up the horn of his anointed. So, Caitlin, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I rise up and I call you blessed. Strength is in your heart. Your spine is not bent and you will not bow down to the gods of this world. Your children need that from you. I'm going to go away long before your children have to face the troubles that they're going to see. I just ask that, or thank God for how strong you are in the way that only a woman can be strong. Blessed are you in the name of the Lord. For Cameron, I got this Psalm 111 starting in verse 10 and then rolling right into verse, uh, chapter 112 to verse nine. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his instructions have good insight. His praise endures forever. Hallelujah. Happy is the person who fears the Lord, taking great delight in his commands. His descendants will be powerful in the land. The generations of the upright will be blessed. Wealthy, wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light shines in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, compassionate, and righteous. Good will come to the one who lends generously and conducts his business fairly. He will never be shaken. The righteous one will be remembered forever. He will not fear bad news. His heart is confident, trusting in the Lord. His heart is assured he will not fear. In the end, he will look and triumph on his foes. He distributes freely to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted in honor. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I just pray the Lord's anointing on you, Cameron. It looks like the days coming are going to be evil, and surely you're going to outlive me, and you're going to be giving leadership to your girls. Should you be blessed with a son, you can have that pass on to him as well. I pray that you would have a discerning heart, Always seek the Lord. Defend your women against the evil of this culture. Stand strong. This is your full duty. Do so in the name of the Lord. In your name I pray this name, Lord. Amen. Today has been a very special Sunday. When you think about it, it was almost a year, just eight days shy of Ivy Faith's arrival. And she has gone to be with the Lord. And there will be a grand reunion when Jesus comes again. I wanna thank you all for your attentiveness, for your thoughtfulness and for your prayers. And if you have any encouragement, would put it on a, a little white, piece of paper in the shape of a heart and hand that to them when they're done, that'd be great. As well, we give an invitation to any who are here, anybody at home online, if you want to know Jesus, if you want to have a relationship with him, just ask. Just invite him into your heart, into your life. Just say, God, I admit I'm a sinner. I believe Christ died to save me. And I confess my sins. I turn to God and I ask you to come into my life. And he will. That's the greatest hope, that's the greatest blessing, that's the greatest miracle of Christmas. And I thank you guys for being here today to share your story. And I believe God will use it to bless and help many lives. God, we thank you once again for your presence with us. Your assurance to us that we need not fear. That you are a refuge, you are our strength, and you have sent your son to be the answer and the reason, not just for the season but the reason and the, the meaning and the purpose for our lives that we might know you and that we might live to please him. May your hand, may your touch be upon each one who hears this message. And Lord, may we be strengthened in our faith even when we go through tough times. We trust in you. We give you thanks in Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. And before you go, we've got a card for you. Let's just show our appreciation for them, their testimony today.